This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. All right, so I wanted to jump into just a few different uh, strategies when it comes to investing that have proven to be um, smart uh, performers over um, the last year or 100 years or so. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Investors Podcast. Nailed it. There we go. <laughs> Nailed it. We've had a lot going on recently here in Melbourne, haven't we? Oh, God. Earthquake. Earthquake riots. It's felt a little bit unsafe. It's, it's been d- weird. You know, it's funny, right? Like, <laughs> you, you know, for, for many years, like, you kind of always thought, oh, like, Melbourne... That, you know, what do we get voted best place to live yeah, in the world? Yeah, most livable city Most livable city for like 10 years in a row. Yeah. And... I reckon we'd be out of the top 50. <laughs> mate. We'd be, we're probably the worst place to live in the world right now. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. There's yeah, not no, much you, You're right. You're Come right. on. I know that. I know that. But it's, you know, it's interesting, right? Because it's, it's, it just shows how quickly things can change. And especially like how, I think more so how dependent you are on external... Or kind of how some external forces can play such a pivotal role. Like, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about politics here, or well, Andy does anyway. So so Andy's always fucking talking politics. And <laughs> it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, th- as much as like, because Andy, Andy always gets into me because I don't pay too much attention to it. Mm. We've got, we had a bit of an, uh, an argument last week, but... The whole, I, I, you know, I do agree that the, these external forces do play such a role because you've got different leaders in and people running the state and so on and, and you know, where it's it's like you start to think potentially what could have been different if maybe someone different was in charge. And I'm not saying, like... I reckon it'd be just minor. I don't think it would be that full on. Yeah. Do you reckon it'll be, it'd be that much different if we had a different uh, government in? The last, what, 48 months? Yep. You reckon? Yep. I think we're seeing in Sydney the difference. Yeah, but they've they've gone through hell the last couple of months as well. Yeah, but I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like she's handling the situation better. Yeah, I suppose we've we've gone about it like by just enforcing. Got, like we got no fucking idea what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Yeah. None. At least she's direct. You know, and, and she's kind of cl- created a clear roadmap. Ours changes every fucking 20 minutes. Are they the same government? No. Nah. Nah. She's they're liberal. Not, no, she's liberal. liberal. Oh, here we go. Argument go. for liberals. <laughs> anyway, I I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it, it's a tough situation for anyone to, to actually be in. Um, Melbourne's, it's felt like a pretty scary city recently, hasn't it? Yeah, As, the riots considering we're used to just everything being... Nice and easy here. Well, I got a message like we got a message last week. Me and Liv were here, lucky because they were lit like the rot. The lit, oh, they walked past your house. Yeah, the, when oh, they were really? going through King's Way. Wow. So you know we got a message saying don't you know are you, if you're outside make sure you, you go inside and stuff. So yeah. you know I guess this is perspective in a way, right? For like there's there's countries that this is the everyday life you exactly know, that yeah. I've never experienced. Yeah. So for me it's kind of like I put it into perspective. That grounds me a little bit. Mm. It kind of just keeps me going. But then it's we're back to normal this week. Like it just feels like a normal week. We've got sunshine again. It's starting to feel. Are they warm. still protesting? I don't think so. 
Maybe there's probably your diehard guys who are out there still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But they've probably partied out from the weekend. Oh, yeah, grand final would have got them. Yeah. All right, so what are are we talking about today? So this is an investor's podcast, by the way, guys. That's why Brado come in with his magnificent (laughs) intro. That he's, you know, it's it's 1% improvement every week, I reckon. That's what we're aiming for. That's it, we're going to compound that. Also, what we're looking for is Andy not to be a shy mess on the show. <laughs> That's also what we're looking for. Andy's, you know, he's to be quiet. You know, if you know, you know, we want we want the real Andy to come out. I just don't want us getting into fifty cups every week. We'll keep that one off camera. It's not a face for um for this though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not with that haircut, mate. Well, I'll make sure that I'll cut your face out of the rest of this clip then. So that's fine. All right, so what are we talking about today? All right, so I wanted to jump into just a few different uh, strategies when it comes to investing that have proven to be um, smart uh, performers over um, the last year or 100 years or so, just so that people are aware of all the different strategies out there. And because it doesn't have to be um, specific to one, uh, it can be beneficial to have a broad range of different investment strategies going on at the same time in order to try and get superior returns. This is something I'm really interested in because, you know, me personally, we're, well, you know, um, me and Liv are kind of really looking at the moment to obviously purchase property and we're kind of going through this weird dynamic where we're diversifying what we're doing. So it's definitely something I'm going to have my ears open to and I think everyone else as well because you often get caught up only focusing potentially on one you know like a lot of people come up and they they focus heavily on property well it's hard to master uh all all different uh investment strategies all at the same time you know uh because it's such a steep learning curve whereas yeah the the guys who actually do really well have quite a diversified um investment portfolio yeah 100 percent. and and that's kind of one thing that we're thinking through at the moment is like okay well because I think the biggest thing as well is that understanding there's there's different consequences as well for each. It's not just about whether or not it's a good investment. That's it's like, right. you know, property, if you're, you know, like you, you have to put a large chunk of money down. Mm. Does that restrict your, um, you know, your lifestyle? Does that put pressure on the relationship mm-hmm. that you have with someone maybe? Like these are all questions that me and Liv are working through right now and kind of trying to find out what the right dynamic is for us. and. Mm. You know, when we like, even when we look at something like property, you know, it's like, well, what's the right move? Because it's not just about investing in property. There's many different scenarios that can play out. Do we live in the first home? Do we get an investment? What suburb are we buying in? You know, and and so on. And and you know, what what uh, lifestyle impacts do we have? And that's one thing that we went through with PJ when we talked about property was like, yeah. you know, not buying for the sake of buying, but also understanding what what you want out of the investment as well. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something this, you know, this is a great topic for a lot of people. And it's, it's hard because it depends on the, the uh, business cycle that we're in as well, you know, and it kind of feels like we're at the peak at the moment. And so everything is really expensive. And so you need to also factor that in as well, because. So when you say business cycle, mm-hmm. so, so, cause, cause you know, I understand what you're saying, but for the for the listeners, what what are you talking about? So typically, it goes off of um, off credit and GDP growth, and so we've, we're at a point now where we have ex- uh, we've reached basically uh, a point where everything is funded off of credit, mm-hmm. uh, and that can be a somewhat tumultuous period because uh, there's going to have to be some sort of correction at some point. 
Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're sort of waiting for that. And we're waiting for one that typically hasn't happened for, uh, it's been nearly, what, 70, 80 years since the last um, proper economic downturn. So we're sort of waiting for that uh, to happen. And typically when that happens, as we've discussed in the past, there's a period where the dollar could devalue or there could be some sort of st- uh, instability with, uh, within all the markets and that sort of thing. So... Are you usually looking for like one, is there usually a, a kind of an, an event that usually tips these things to actually start to happen? So, you know, it's like it's like almost like a, I mean, they call it a bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And something comes in and pops that bubble and then that's what causes the yeah. psychology of just, you know, get your money out of the markets, do all these kind of things. Like, Yeah, so we've got a mix of all different concerns going on at the moment. So you've obviously got all the issues that are coming out of China with their economy slowing down and the issues within their property market. Uh, we've also got the Fed talking about tapering. Uh, and once they start tapering, they'll start to look at interest rates. If they increase interest rates, typically within a year, uh, that's when you'll see a, a pretty significant downturn. So tapering is obviously they're putting money into the economy and they're going to start to pull back on that money. Yeah, and they'll start reining in how much uh, government debt they're buying every month. And then they're going to, once they do that, they'll sort of have a, have a feel of how the economy is performing without all this stimulus. And once they think that it's right, they'll start to consider increasing the interest rates. And, and once they do that, growth typically then slows down, which is uh, why markets tend to suffer. Yeah, and, and um, what we're looking at then is once interest rates go up, once the tapering comes off, that's when, you know, if you, like, we've got to look at jobless rates. We've got to look at these kind of things. Because right now, there's a lot of people that don't have jobs, but they're getting funded by the government as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot of, there's still money being pumped into the economy, people getting paid for for nothing. Um, So, you know, I think, from what I read out of this, is you've got to look at what happens once that tapering starts to happen. What are, how does people's decision-making start to change? How do the markets start to change? And then, you know... You and everyone's f- mixed on this too. Like, you've got all the macro guys who are focused in and saying that we're going to go through a deflationary period. You've got all the economists coming out saying that this is... Uh, everything that's happening is going to be bad for inflation. Uh, so we don't really know quite what's going to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of waiting and, and sort of uh, seeing what's going to uh, pan out. Mm. But... It's like this is an important time to, to get your money and your investments in order so that you can either ride it out or perform really well. Definitely. It's a lot to think about. Well, so, okay, <laughs> so, so when you say ride it out, you're talking... A potential downturn that could be... Getting your ducks in order, yeah. you know, so making sure you've got the money there to pay, to, to live on and, yeah. and you, yeah. know, you still got... Yeah, you've got to make sure you've got all your expenses covered and then try to minimise the damage to a portfolio if there is an event where uh, markets crash and that can be in the uh, property market and also the equity market because they're both quite overheated in all areas around the world right now. Interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) All right, so we're going to go through what, seven strategies? Six. Six Six strategies. different strategies, yeah. What are we starting with? So the first one is investing into a bunch of ETFs. So uh, benchmarks that track different um, different assets within the economy. Um, but overall, broadly, we just want ones that track 
um, their overall benchmark. Uh, and the uh, the best things about this is that it's diversified. You don't have to do uh, a lot of the work yourself. Uh, you just have to figure out which ones are going to be the best ones for you. Um, but that's the key to any uh, to any portfolio. And a lot of uh, superannuation or Roth IRAs and this sort of thing uh, are invested in these diversified portfolio because over the long course they tend to outperform uh, due to compounding and that sort of thing and that's what we all retire on. So they make the foundation of any portfolio and that should be the same uh, with your investment portfolio because let's be honest, we're not all Warren Buffett, we're not all going to outperform the market by 17% a year or whatever. We, we think, you know, and that's one of the, the things like, you know, that you, you can kind of get caught in the trap of thinking that you are, you yeah. know, like... Yeah. I, I kind of think I'm okay at it mm. and I've been doing it for two years so I'm probably horrible, you know, um, and, and you can kind of get caught in that Well, trap. that's the thing, yeah. You could, anyone can do well in a bull market. Yeah. It's whether you can stand the test of time and actually outperform in the long run and go through multiple downturns and recessions as well. 100%. 100%. And that's where these ETFs come in, into yeah. play because they do the work for you, as you said. That's right. They're easy, they're tax efficient, they're low cost, um, and so in that regard, they're really beneficial. Yeah, and, and we kind of talked about this, I'm pretty sure, in maybe episode one or two where we're talking about active versus passive investing. Yeah. Uh, and I think more more importantly, an ETF is a strategy for someone who makes one of the decisions to, you know, or, or the decision um, to be more passive, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, I don't really necessarily want to spend you know, hours doing this research. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm going to do enough research to be able to identify which one I think is 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 going to, you know, help me achieve my goal. Yeah, exactly. The only issue with them uh, is that they don't tend to grow, obviously, quicker than other asset classes, but that's because they have a mix of different assets within them. So they typically will hold on to a certain amount of bonds, equities, real estate, these sort of things. But during, especially right now, things like gold and commodities, they may not be outperforming. And same with bonds. Bonds are actually negatively uh, returning yields at the moment whereas then obviously you've got your equities and your property which is outperforming but you're not going to get the same sort of return that you would if you had directly invested in property or equities and so that's something to factor into but you typically when you're buying an ETF you're buying it for the long term knowing that it might double your money every 10 years or something like that and there's less risk involved right so less risk yeah so in, in times like now it's like you invest in an ETF because it might not be going up at the you know, maybe the the twenty to fifty yeah. percent that uh, you might get out of a stock or an equity, um, but in reality, it's not going to go down to the twenty to fifty percent no. that you could get with a stock exactly. or an equity. It's going to go down less than what you would if you are in just individual stocks. Yeah. But then it's also probably going to recover slower as well, whereas stocks will recover a lot quicker. For sure. So, um, what are some examples then? Some examples of different ETFs. Yeah. So you got your Vanguards, you got your Beta Shares, uh, you've got Kathy Woods and her Arc products. Goat. Uh, there's Goldman Sachs, all of them as well. Uh, so there's all sorts of different ones. It's just a matter of uh, determining what uh, what area you want to invest in. So you could be looking at investing in the US market, the Australian market, the European market, um, emerging markets, and this sort of thing. You may want to invest in just the S&P 500, you may want to invest in small cap companies, high growth companies, dividend paying companies. So it, it really depends on your risk appetite. 
Yeah, and, and so... So this is where you do have to do a little bit of research. Cool. And something like the S&P is very, like, you know, low risk. Yeah. You know, you know that you're going to get your 10% a year mm-hmm. or roughly around that. Yeah. You're going to receive dividends from that because often the companies are really cash uh, cash flow positive as well and they tend to reward their shareholders. But then towards the bottom end of the S&P 500, it factors in a lot more growth. And so that's how you can outperform from... Uh, you can outperform from uh, your capital appreciation, but then also having dividend players in there as well. And then you've got something on the other end of the spectrum, like ARK Invest at the yep. moment, which is directly investing in innovation and mm. you know probably a little bit more risky. Like yeah. you know, they can sometimes have negative three percent days and and yeah. so on, which yeah. you don't really see in the S and P. But um, you're also you know I think. What in two thousand and twenty they had like seventy percent returns, and yeah. you know they've had an average of like twenty five or something like that over the last four years or something. So you know you're definitely getting a, a greater reward. So, but it's also you know she you know when you're investing with them, you're looking you're probably someone who's quite innovative yourself. Yeah, and typically when you're looking at uh, an investment in Arc as well, you a lot of the decision making um, around their decisions is influenced by uh, new and emerging technologies and these can be volatile, but then they can also uh, be subject to regulation and uh, decisions based on um, on risk and these sort of things because when there's times when uh, the Fed are looking to increase interest rates, typically these growth companies will do... Uh, will do worse because they can get uh, better returns in less risky assets. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to factor in as well. So the fact that we're now talking about increasing rates could mean that there'll be a period where these uh, companies don't outperform. So that's something to fact in, uh, factor into as well. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you, you're kind of changing your strategy based on the environment. Yeah, so typically whenever I look at an investment strategy or the economy as a whole, I will look at all the macro data first and where we are in the business cycle uh, and that will uh, basically determine how heavily invested I am in a certain asset. So right now, because we're in a, uh, we're sort of coming towards the end of the business cycle where everything is really quite expensive, I still own equities but I'm starting to uh, diversify away from that into these other sort of fields. Um, so it could be things like gold, it could be things like cryptocurrencies, these assets that aren't correlated with property and equity because when they typically um, don't perform, these other ones do. And so it's handy to have a bit, a bit of a mix uh, in your portfolio just so that you can do well in times when the market isn't so hot. I think the business cycle thing is so interesting because like something that we try to teach in the first part of one of our courses is understanding economic cycles because I think it's it's got some pretty heavy business applications as well. Like, yeah. you know, everyone can make money in a booming economy, but yeah. it's like what, you know, it, it's, it's such an interesting stat. Like everybody knows that one in 10 businesses doesn't make it, sorry, one in 10 businesses makes it past the 10 year mark. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so, you know, the correlation is, well, you know, every 10 years we go through a recession, mm-hmm. you know, or, or roughly. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, how 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 much does that factor into that stat? And I would say quite a bit. So I think understanding your business cycles, whether you're a business owner, whether you want to build wealth, or, you know, they both go hand in hand as well. Is like when you can start to look at business cycles and make decisions based on those business cycles, 
you can probably be one of those one in ten people, yeah. right? And yeah. and that's 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 what your goal should be. You know, if you're watching this podcast, don't beat around the bush here. You're here to build wealth. You're here to 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 build a business and take your idea from zero to one. So, right. you know, business cycles is something that you have to start to understand in order to be able to make correct decisions. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic, so one of the strategies that I've got in here is actually entrepreneurship. Mm. So it's actually starting your own business. Um, because you typically learn so much and it's a great way for you to to build an income outside of, say, your job or uh, your other investments. Um, the only thing with that is it is really uh, time dependent. It costs a lot uh, potentially as well, but the returns, uh, the potential for returns greatly outweigh everything else you mm. can possibly do. And so starting your own business is one of the best methods uh, to to outperform the markets. Yeah, it's definitely the, the best wealth building tool out there. Yeah, like 100%. Investing your money is really important and I think it's a necessity and one thing I'm learning definitely, but I think if you can get a business and, and kind of make and have a really successful business, you know, like that, that will generate more income than anything. Even just the skills that you'll learn from starting a business as well, they can be applied in so many different fields. So even if that business doesn't do well, you can then carry those skills into potentially another business or when you're going back out into the job market as well. And so, yes, there's the the chance of really high returns, um, but then obviously there's the risk that it doesn't work out. But you have to weigh up the pros and cons. And in my opinion, the pros far outweigh the cons. And I think with risk as well, right? Like, you know, once you get into owning your own business, you know, those, it almost crosses over, right? So when you're starting your own business, you're already taking a risk to start your own business. But what you do is, you, like you said, is you build skills and you learn that you have to take risks mm-hmm. in order to, to actually get forward. Now, calculated risks, they need to be. But I think the biggest thing is like, you know, I'm willing to put 80% of my money in the markets or into investments because I know that if it all went to zero tomorrow, I would still be able to use my skills to generate income and, and get back to that point of where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might take me some time, but I'm confident in my ability to do that. And I think that's one of the most important things in life in general. Mm-hmm. I also think when you start a business too, you're learning those skills when it comes to sales. You're learning also financial literacy, which makes you a better investor because you know what to see just based on your own business too. And so you know what works for your uh, your balance sheet and your um, your income statement and that sort of thing, you can just find the same uh, replication in other businesses and know that they're performing well. Mm. And so you can make it an informed decision based on, on your current learning within your own business too. And so that's a great strategy. Honestly, I think it's one of the best strategies you can take. Obviously, it's not for everyone, but if you are entrepreneurial-minded... But it's interesting, right? Like, you know, like we've had this conversation and it's like, well, based on the fact that, you know, wages aren't growing, but the cost of living is, and you kind of look at that as a dynamic, you know, what's the consequence there? Well, it's not going to make economic sense for a lot of people to have a job. Yeah. You know, it's just not. So, So, you know, the stats are saying, we've done a lot of research on this, that, 
you know, by the a time I think it's two thousand and twenty eight, seventy percent of people in the world could be self employed. Yeah, right. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and and it's you know you just think that's a behavioural psychology thing, right? It's 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 like you know, you look at the stats, you look at the way the world's trending, and it's just you know, is a hundred thousand dollars going to buy you much? No. Right, and yeah. it's it's not, you know, like, and that's that's mate. To be honest, that's like a. That's a good wage, you know. That's that's hundred thousand dollars. Like, you know, some people don't earn that much, yeah. right? And it's like, if that can't buy you anything, what's it going to look like in ten years' time? Yeah. And and I think you know, honestly, like entrepreneurship is, it's such a journey, you know. Like, it's just you learn so much about yourself. Like, I think about how far I've come. You know, I'm ten years out of school mm-hmm. today, and I'm like, fuck. Crazy, crazy. But I would not be the person I am without business, because yeah. business doesn't lie. Mm. Business doesn't beat around the bush. Business kicks you in the teeth when you need it, mm-hmm. and and it teaches you so many lessons. You've never worked, well, apart from when you were really young, but you've never worked for somebody else, have you? I ha- I've had it. So I think I had a job for a year. Okay. So I didn't have a job up until I was eighteen because I was playing football and and trying to make a, a career out of football. Um, and I was very lucky that, my, you know, my parents said go for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also a lost puppy when I come out of that. So I had a job for a year and like, I, you know, fucking, I think I got fired from one. Um, and, and you know, I'd probably get fired now because I'm somebody who likes to run on my own clock. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, so but it was kind of like, you know, I had a job for a year and I had a few different jobs. but And then I got straight into running my own business. Yeah. And probably didn't know I had a business until two years <laughs> in. You know, I just fucking didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. You yeah. know? I think it was my first accountant trip, you know, two years in. Mm-hmm. Hadn't paid taxes. Hadn't done any of that shit. And then... But these are the skills that you've now learned. Exactly, right? Yeah. And that's what I mean is like, I, I just think about how much business has molded the person I am today. Yeah. It's taught me so many lessons um, and, and I'm just extremely grateful. And there's know? something to being able to ger- uh, generate money off your own bat as well. You know, as opposed to just going in and getting a salary. But for those who do have a salary, I think there's so much to be learned from just going out there and starting something part-time too, whether it be a little freelancing business or an online store or wherever it might be. You know, I think there's so much benefit to doing that. And typically businesses will do well in no matter what cycle we are in as well. So... During a downturn, obviously, there's something that's gone wrong. And so there's plenty of problems in the world that need to be fixed. During times when things are doing really well, well, obviously, everything's doing well. So you can do well in any environment. Yeah. But it's just one of those ones. It's just rock hard. You can't, you won't be able to, um, or you'll be able to win if you if you give it a crack and you just continue on the course. Yeah, 100%. Mm. I, I think it's, you know... Something I wish that everybody, even if it's just a side hustle, yeah. you get into at some point and you just take the leap for and, and kind of let it go. You know, like Liv, one of Liv's friends is just recently started a business and she works full-time as an accountant um, and, and they do uh, gifts. So I think it's called For Her Gifts. Mm-hmm. little shout out, check them out on Instagram. But, um, you know, they're doing that and, and they're – but both of the owners work full time, so they're doing outside of hours. They had a pop up store in Chadston, and and so on, and and you know, they they've had some success with it. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting. Like I I don't know what their plans are for the future, but I I just think about them and I think about 
what they must have gone through over the last year and and how much they would have learned and it's just it's it's awesome so i think like everybody needs to go out there and try something and do, make sure it's something that you're passionate about as but well but even that extra 10 20 30 40,000 or what however much it is on top of your salary as well can make such a difference. If you're living paycheck to paycheck and then you have this additional money coming in, that can be the thing that helps you put towards savings yeah. to help actually grow your wealth, you know? 100%. I think that, that's the real game changer for people. If, you, like, if you're out there and you're struggling, find yourself a little side hustle that will just give you that edge to get you forward uh, and moving ahead in life. Yeah, definitely, 100%. It's one of those things that I think is so important, you know, um, when it comes to savings, you know, like that, like you said, that extra thirty to forty k, like mm. that's really all you need. Because mm. once that starts compounding, yeah, you know, you, all of a sudden you find yourself with a buffer. Yeah, you two know or three I mean? years time, that could be potentially a house deposit. You, and know? you put twenty k in the market. Yeah, like you know, it's just it can be life changing. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah. like you you just never have freedom like you've ever had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So next strategy. All right. The next one we're talking about. Dividend growth investing, and so this, this is an interesting one because yeah. this is like this is like you know the the, the this is what I get you know we, this you associate is, this with people who are old. <laughs> yeah, it's like fuck your fifteen percent a year, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. But we have to remind ourselves that the current uh, current market that we're in right now, we don't typically see that every year. You know, fifteen yeah. percent on a good year is a bloody good return, and so if you find that return in a diversified dividend portfolio, it can be so beneficial to you, and it's a passive income that you can be receiving. So we're talking about that extra thirty, forty thousand. You can get that additional income from these companies, and so the trick to finding these companies though is you have to find companies that have a large moat. And have really, really good financials as well. So I'm talking about, I mean, I hate to say it, but banks. Banks have a really large moat because they're really hard to get into. There's a lot of regulation around it. I know from personal experience, it's very, very difficult to get into the banking sector. Uh, But then you're also talking about consumer staples. So your big supermarket chains and then also your your smaller uh, retail products. So like Coca-Cola. Uh, these sort of brands that just generate so much cash and they tip, uh, they typically reward their shareholders uh, as well. Um, but then the best way to then um, take advantage of this is to broaden, your, um, broaden the markets that you're into. So you don't want to just be purely in the banking sector or you don't purely want to be in the consumer staples or energy or anything like that because there's all these different markets uh, macro stimulants uh, that can have adverse effects on these markets. So if you have a um, a good diversified portfolio of companies that are producing income, it can make such a difference. So what is what is like you know when we're talking about going from um, what is a dividend stock, right? So for someone who's listening who kind of goes, I don't know what really you're talking about. So what is a dividend stock and, and obviously the benefits of cash flow, but do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so a dividend paying company is a company that has so much money sitting on their balance sheet in returned earnings that they 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 have grown so large that they've sort of they don't know what else to spend the money on. 
So typically with growth companies, they spend that extra money on innovation, on marketing, on uh, R&D and these sort of things. But a big uh, company like Coca-Cola, there's only so much that they can spend their money on in trying to produce a new asset or acquire a new business or something like that. And so typically once they reach that point, they start to reward their shareholders for having faith in them throughout the growth years Mm -hmm. and they start to pay out that money that's just sitting on the balance sheet and they do that in the form of a dividend. Uh, And typically dividends uh, have had taxes paid on them first by the company and so they can be really tax advantage for an investor because they're fully frank dividends. Mm -hmm. And so they can become basically almost a tax-free passive income. Um, that you can receive on top of your salary or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so this is typically what your retirees will live on um, from their superannuation or their social security or whatever the case may be. They will live off those dividend payments Yeah. uh, as a form of income. My partner's dad's like been doing it for years. Like, and and he's kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely um, invested in BHP. Yeah, well, I was invested in BHP uh, for a little bit and it was, you know, they're, they're actually, you know, they actually had seen some growth during those times as well. So I think yeah. if you can find, it's very hard, but if you can find someone that's going to pay you a dividend and, mm. you know, they have some growth mm. in them. Um, they're not going to grow a lot, nah. but they're going to grow at potentially single digits, maybe even double digits. Iron Ore has been doing very well the last two years and so obviously BHP and Rio and these sort of companies have outperformed over the last couple of years uh, while still paying a dividend which is pretty unreal mm. and so that is a, an excellent strategy in order to um, so this to beat the market. This is another way to create a passive income right yeah. like if you can get a you know let, let's you know, um, if you can get, you know, $1,000 a month in passive income and then, you know, potentially just reinvest that 1000 back into the markets and they even have the dividend reinvestment um, programs as well where your dividend just gets reinvested yep. into the shares and so your dividends end up growing time after time. So the whole idea is if you can kind of, if you if that's the the way you want to go, you want to generate more cash, more money coming to yeah. you, then you that's probably your investment strategy. Exactly. And guys like Warren Buffett, they live and breathe dividends. You know, like I don't remember how much he received. Like it was like six hundred million dollars or something just from his Coca Cola shares. Mm. You know, Bar whilst out. these shares have been uh, compounding over time, and he just reinvests that money. You know, and you can do the same thing within your own portfolio if you have a diversified uh, dividend. Uh, portfolio crazy mm. crazy i know it's not something that we typically look at when you're young because it's it becomes more about growth and that sort of thing but once you start to reach a point where you have got a significant amount of money sitting in your portfolio in order to have that additional income it can be such a rewarding mm. uh, investment to make 100 mm. percent, and they typically sense. do well during times of um a downturn as well because they will resilient you'll find that a lot of these companies continue to pay out those dividends um especially if you look at uh individual companies as opposed to etfs um because they have different mandates when it comes to to paying out dividends too 100 mm, percent. yeah next strategy all right so the next strategy this is a pretty advanced one so we might want to skim across it but it is selling and buying options within the market (laughs) so you can get quite a lot of income from doing so Um, 
So when I say buying and selling options, these are derivatives. A lot of people think of derivatives as being really risky. But an example I like to give is that you can actually buy a put option. If you think that a company is going to go down in price, you want to buy a company cheaper, you can buy a put option right now, get paid a premium up front because someone else is on the other end um, of that option. So they will buy that option. They will pay you a premium up front, so essentially a dividend. And then if the price comes down, you get to buy in at that price. And so you bet to buy on the dip whilst having received an income um, initially as well. And then there's this, um, you can also buy covered calls too. So if you think that the market is going up like we currently are, you can buy a covered call on, uh, say, ComBank, for example, here in Australia. You can buy into, buy the covered call on them. You receive your, um, you receive your premium up front. So when you say premium, what do you, what do you mean? So it's essentially so someone on the other end of that contract uh, is paying a price because they want the the opposite to happen. So yep, in okay. that example, they want Combank shares to to go down in price, and so in that regard, they're happy to pay you a premium in order to have the obligation for you to sell them that uh, those shares in the future if it goes down in price. If it doesn't go down in price, you get to hold on to those shares but you also receive that um, that income straight off the bat as well. And so it's a really, really good strategy to just generate an income, especially in a market that is going sideways or up, which it typically does do. And so I've been doing it for years. Uh, it's such an easy strategy if you actually put in the work and, and learn how to actually uh, enable it. Mm. But it's one of those things you can just repeat every single month and get a decent amount of um, money up front uh, based on what are the projects. negatives to it then like because why because there's obviously like when there's when there's no, you know when there's smoke there's fire yeah right yeah. so so what's the negative side to it so it's a long-term strategy so you need to be mindful that you are buying into it and waiting um, for it to to eventually come out uh, and if it does go against you, you then have the obligation to sell. Uh, and so in that regard, you will lose out. You'll lose money. So you'll get to keep your initial premium, which is great. And typically, if you pair it with a stop loss, you may only lose out a little bit. But there is the potential for you to to lose out if there is a, a wild swing in the market. Is this is this kind of aligned with what's been happening with like GameStop and and these kind of things? Yes, it is. So okay. a lot of the institutionals have been on the wrong side of this because they have been selling puts uh, against GameStops uh, because they think that it's going to go down in price. Once it goes up, they've been getting the margin call which has been forcing them to either pay the margin from whoever has lent them those shares or they have had to buy in at the market price, which is, and if there's no shares outstanding, Expensive. it sends the price of those shares high. And so, so that's what's happened. So yeah, the, the, so basically these big institutions are either forced to pay the margin or they have to buy in at that higher price, the costing price. them money. Exactly right. And typically when there's only so many shares available at the time, 
them trying to put in enough offers and bids in order to buy those shares is what has sent the price extremely high. And so that is a very risky way of doing things. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend shorting, but it can be a great way to receive income. And I wouldn't do it on a on a speculative company like that. You might want to do it on, say, like a BHP or uh, a Commonwealth Bank or someone like this. This is their um, their share price is a little bit more consistent. You're not going to see wild swings, but it can be a really, really uh, generous way to make money as well. But it's that's more of an event, an advanced strategy, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say it's more of an advanced one. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Next one is real estate. We've already touched on this, um, but there are so many benefits to it, especially in the current interest rate market where you can go out and get an 80-90% loan against the property. Yeah, there's cheap capital essentially. Uh, So you only have to put down, I mean, first getting your deposit is is the tricky part, but the advantage to it is that you can get the uh, majority of that on credit. And that allows you to get into the marketing and start to build equity. And if you're buying a rental property as well, you receive uh, rental income on that property too. And so that's another great way to um, to beat the market as well. Uh, because typically, especially now, you're seeing houses appreciate in value quite a lot. Crazy. <laughs> Which you've had first-hand experience, as you know. Yeah. Um, but then also there's that uh, that additional income that you can receive too, which probably will start to rise as well. And we've started to see rental incomes uh, increasing all around the world, just not quite here yet in Australia with lockdowns and everything going on. But that's that'll be the next thing that we'll see is those rental incomes will start to increase. I think that's one of the, the, the like, you know, you look at why property is such a great or being such a great wealth building tool. Yeah. You know, you've got the ability for it to um, appreciate in, in price, which obviously allows you to, to build up equity. It's also forced savings, right? Yeah. So, you know, rather than paying rent or even if it's an investment property, someone else paying that mortgage down, you know, it's kind of like forced savings. So yeah. I guess that's why a lot of people, when they think about, well, I don't really want to think about it, my investments too much. Mm-hmm. Property is one of the first things they think about because, you know, I think without understanding completely, we understand that it does force it does kind of force savings yeah. more than anything. And if yeah. the property goes up, the property goes up. But more than anything, it's like a way for people to build um, build wealth. And, and I yeah. mean, this is probably more down the line of the barefoot investor, right? Which we don't necessarily agree with. But he kind of thing is, well, if you pay your property down, you're just basically building equity. And that's something that you can enjoy a little bit later yeah. on in life once you're, you're retired. And it's tax advantage too. So you can have write-offs uh, if you're negatively geared. Um, but then there's obviously all the there's the drawbacks to it as well. Uh, so you have to obviously do the research, and it can be really quite time um, time enhanced if you have to go out and and find the right areas that you want to buy a property in. Um, putting down a deposit, obviously, that can be quite quite a lot because, especially now with property going up so much, uh, you're putting down a lot of money, obviously, as well. And then you're obviously fixed into that. Um, repayment over the course too but I mean there's benefits towards doing that too but then you've got all the fees taxes that come with it so you have to be on the ball when it comes to property and you have maintenance uh, as well the you know if it's an investment property you've also got the the potential of having 
you know, some not so great tenants in and, and, well, yeah, and so that's on. Ex- and you've got to factor in there's, there's going to be potentially times when you don't have any tenants in there too. So you have to be able to afford those mortgage repayments during those, those lean times. So these are all different uh, decisions that you've got to factor in. But, I mean, a lot of big dynasties have been built off property. And so it's a great way, uh, obviously, to, um, to build your wealth and to beat um, the market as well for sure mm. all right so just quickly to wrap up we've also got one more which is alternative assets so things like commodities gold silver now these assets don't typically perform well when the the market is running hot as we've seen with gold peter schiff is quite angry with himself over the last couple of years um but they typically do well when, when there's um, some uncertainty in the market because it's basically a store of value um, and a safe haven, uh, if you will. So they typically perform in those sort of periods. I would probably uh, class cryptocurrency in that one as well because these assets are typically uncorrelated to what's going on with the business cycle. So when shares and when property is outperforming, Typically, these don't do that well, mm. um, but then when there's uncertainty and doubt and markets are correcting and that sort of thing, these do uh, do outperform. And so it is handy to have them in your portfolio just to have a little bit more diversification. Um, but then you've got your cryptos, which are uncorrelated to all of them and have been increasing at 110% a year. So... Um, another great place to, to obviously put your money. But then I would categorize in there as well, just learning new skills too, you know, because you can rely on those skills later in life. Um, you can get out there, have a side hustle, get a new job, that sort of thing. So I would label that as an alternative, uh, an alternative investment too. For sure. What, 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 what's your one piece of advice then for someone who's listened to this episode and is kind of going, well, how do I figure out which one of these is the right for me? Oh, shit. I would start with probably looking at an ETF to start off with. Get some money in there just so that you've got some skin in the game and you can start to see how different assets perform during different times of the business cycle. Pay attention to the news as well. I think that's a really key thing that most people should be doing. I know... Like currently, it's all yeah. What news are we talking about? Here? Well, I'm not. Ta- yeah, I'm not talking about COVID news. Or You're not tuning into 60 <laughs> yeah, minutes no, tonight. That's fucking no. for sure. But I mean, a great source of information is Yahoo Finance. It's maybe even Motley Fool, just so that you can have an understanding and get to sort of see how businesses are performing during different times, uh, and try to get an understanding of the macro landscape too. So, what's going on with interest rates? What is the Fed or the RBA talking about? Uh, these sort of things, because then once you start to see how these things are playing out, that then allows you to make certain decisions based off that in regards to your investments. But that's the that's honestly the first way that I would probably look into it. Look into ETFs, look into property. Uh, once you have those foundations in place, then start to diversify away from that. Start looking at individual companies. Start looking at potentially getting in on a gold ETF or get a little bit of Bitcoin in your portfolio or... uh, Explore your options. Explore your options. And 100%, if you're not already doing it, start looking at um, starting your own business. 
you know, even if it's just a side hustle, something that you put four hours a week on, if you start to do that now, the benefits in the future could be massive. So, so why does someone, and, and this is really important, but I want to, I guess, get your point of view on this. Why does, what's the consequences of not listening to the information, right? Like, what's the, what's the consequences of not investing, right? And, and not going and taking action right now. Like, what are the long-term effects that someone might actually experience? Yeah, so you most likely, you're either just going to be getting by just comfortably, you know, living not necessarily paycheck to paycheck, You'll be able to build um, enough wealth potentially to be able to retire on and live a somewhat normal and decent life, but you're always going to be um, you're always going to be worried about something potentially like one bad event could cause you to be uh, completely like ruined, if that makes sense. So, if you get a handle on these skills early and start to really make it a priority for yourself, it will allow you to have a little bit more freedom and action uh, in able to spend time doing the things that you enjoy to do. You're not necessarily going to be worried about the, the market collapsing when you are worried about whether you're going to be able to keep your job and to keep a, a shelter over your family's head, you know? And so this is why it's so important to have these skills and to be learning and just be curious about them. Yeah. Um, that's, honestly, that's the reason why I would focus on it. Yeah, I, I really think it's a superpower. You know, like the consequences of not investing the money that you're earning, whether that's through a job or a business, mm. means that you're sitting in cash and we know what that the consequence is there. You know, your cash is being devalued. Yeah. And I often think like... I'm I'm very grateful one for being meeting you and kind of getting my head into this space, but two for just my my now understanding that if I don't do these things and I think about my life previously, mm. that I was struggling paycheck to paycheck as a as a young person, 21, and then my business allowed me to start to earn that money, mm-hmm. but even at that, you you don't realize how much this can change your life. You don't realize that. You know, the money you're earning is being devalued and that's what actually makes life tough. That's why struggle is continuous no matter how hard you work mm. if you're not learning these skills. And yeah. I think that's that's probably something that I want everyone to understand is that you can really start to make a difference in your life, in, in the peoples around, you know, your, your family, your friends, the people that surround you by taking these steps and, and taking this action um, more than anything. So... Yeah. You know, I think that's why we're doing this episode. That's why the Investors Podcast is here is because, you know, if you can start to take some of the information that you're learning and, and just applying, you know, 1% every day, 1% every day, 1% every day, you you actually you, you start to see your life change. You'll start to see, you know, things get a little bit easier, if that's the right word. You know, you'll start to see your wealth start to compound and, and you know, in 10 to 20 years' time, it can be... It people overcomplicate it too and people look towards Wall Street who they they use their slang and they use words that we don't all quite understand and they use all these derivatives that are so confusing. If you just dumb it down and just go back to the bare basics, often you'll find you outperform what they do because they're living quarter to quarter whereas if you're playing the long-term game, that's typically where you outperform the markets and... 
Uh, if you prioritize it young, you can get the power of that compounding to work for you from an early age. Mm. And this is why you see guys in the news where like a janitor uh, passes away with $8 million in the account. <laughs> like all they do is they earn their minimum wage, but they put money into the market every single paycheck. And over time, like you'll be surprised that thing grows. Like I know you, you don't look at your super very often, if you go in there and over time, um, you will have accumulated obviously quite a lot of money. And all you do there, and you don't even notice it, is because your employer is contributing towards that superannuation. Over time, once you get re- to retirement age, you'll have a million dollars in there. Mm. Same thing can apply towards the income that you receive in your bank account today. You could have a million dollars within this portfolio and a million dollars in that one. That's just how it's that easy if you just play to your strengths and develop an investment strategy that works for you and just be consistent with it. Yeah, consistency is everything, isn't it? That's it. If you continually do it, you'll reap the uh, benefits in the future. For sure. Mm. All right, another great episode. I think what we're trying to do is 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 tell a story here. We're trying to kind of teach you guys and educate you guys and give you a process and teach you fundamentals more than anything like you know the biggest thing here is we want you guys to be able to take action from this and more so gain an understanding because mm. uh, that's the way that you can yes. you can actually make this successful for you especially when there's so much noise out there as well um i just think if you dumb it down to the basics the bare basics actually can do well mm, for know. sure all right guys as always we really like uh, I, I gotta say the the um, the support and 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 the interaction from you guys over the last probably the last month has just been crazy. Um, you know, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the support that we're getting, a lot of the interaction, um, we're extremely grateful. Um, you know, we we really care about what we're doing. We we really do. Like we really think that this is going to make an impact on on all of your lives. So. Um, we're extremely grateful um, and, you know, we appreciate the support. Make sure that you're, you're subscribed um, onto the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to the audio podcast if that's how you like to listen and, and keep interacting with us. Let us know what you want, what, what you want more of, um, uh, you know, obviously across socials. Um, but really hope you enjoyed this week's episode, guys, and we'll obviously see you next week. Thanks, guys.